Hello and welcome. This is the Book of Acts by Word Online. Well, welcome back to series three. We're now in the second episode. And as you know, Luke designs Acts in such a way that there are six series that represent the different phases of the growth of the gospel message and of the church. Series one was about Jerusalem and the amazing way God blessed the church in Jerusalem. Series two was about the areas surrounding Jerusalem nearby in the, in the area we would call Israel today, Judea and Samaria. Series three is about how the gospel spreads to the non-Jewish people known in the Bible as the Gentiles. Now the first episode acts as an introduction to this theme and this theme is picked up in this episode. This is the dramatic moment when a completely new door for the gospel opens up through a series of spectacular miracles brought about by God's direct intervention and it concerns a man called Cornelius. But before we uh, get to talk about him, we just need to remember what had happened in the previous episode, which acts as an introduction. Peter, the senior apostle in Jerusalem, responsible for the churches in the surrounding district, particularly in Judea, the heartland of the Jewish nation, spent a lot of time traveling around. He would go from town to town and through the villages where many churches had been established. It appears that from the revival in Jerusalem, there'd been uh, many people uh, taking the gospel to the surrounding area and little churches being formed in those areas. And we saw in the first episode how <coughs> Peter was visiting uh, a number of places, a place called Lydda and a port city called Joppa uh, on the western coast of Judea and we saw two amazing miracles an amazing healing and, amaz and an amazing resurrection uh, of the dead when a woman called Dorcas was raised uh, uh, from death and then we saw a, a considerable revival going on in the area as many people came to faith and that last episode ended with Peter uh, staying in the port city of Joppa. And we're just going to connect this episode with that episode by just going back to verse 43 of chapter 9, which says, Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. So there he is. He's not at home in Jerusalem where he was based. He's over there in the port city of Joppa near the modern city of Tel Aviv in Israel. And uh, he's staying there and probably going to travel some more around that immediate area. So that's the context. Peter's visiting an acquaintance or a friend, a church member in the church in Joppa. And then something totally unexpected happens. Peter anticipated that fairly soon he'd return to the city of Jerusalem, but he didn't. He went off in a completely different direction because God literally intervened and created a remarkable series of events which are described very fully by Luke in Acts chapter 10. And we're going to read this story, a very dramatic story 
with miracles taking place in different locations. We're going to start by reading uh, verses 1 to 8. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that, that had happened and sent them to Joppa. So we have a new person introduced into our story, a Roman soldier called Cornelius, who was based in the capital city of Judea, Caesarea. This was another port city, further north than Joppa, built specifically by the Romans to house the, their political, administrative and military headquarters for the whole province. That's where the Roman governor was based. That's where Pontius Pilate had been based and all his successors as governors over the province of Judea. That's where the military headquarters were. And it was a port and it has easy access to the sea and for travel to Rome by sea. And Cornelius is described as a centurion. That's roughly the equivalent of a captain in a modern army. His responsibility was for a hundred men, a middle-ranking officer. But this particular Roman officer had an interest in Judaism. He probably came from another country altogether. He'd been in Judea for some time. He'd had contact with the Jewish community. And he is described here as God-fearing. Luke uses this expression to describe people outside the Jewish faith who have a respect for the Jewish God. They sort of believe that the Jewish God must be the true God, the God Yahweh, the God of Israel. They've come in connection with the Jewish religion and they're seeking that God. They're trying to find a way to know him and to understand him. So this man would have, have turned his back on the Roman religion and all the gods and shrines and, and worship uh, of the Roman religion. He, he presumably was not interested in that, not satisfied by that. He felt that Judaism had something better, this belief in a single, wonderful, unique creator God by the name of Yahweh. And so he prayed He'd learned from the Jews how to pray. He probably knew a little bit about the Old Testament. He may have read some of the Old Testament books in the Greek language because they were translated into Greek at the time. He gave gifts to the poor. He was a seeker. And this seeker was met 
by the living God because he had this astonishing, miraculous engagement with an angel who encouraged him that God had heard his prayers and then gave him a specific message that he needed to go and find a man called Simon Peter who was staying in Joppa. What extraordinary information. Who could possibly know that? That's divinely imparted information. There was Simon Peter further south by the sea with his friend Simon the Tanner further north in Caesarea. Cornelius has this vision and he tells some of his soldiers to go to Joppa and look for this man called Simon Peter. Revelation has come to him. And God uses angels to reveal truth and to guide people. Angels appear several times in the book of Acts. We've seen one or two instances. There are more to come later in the story. Usually to reveal something, to give guidance uh, and to give help and support to people and very occasionally they come as an instrument of judgment against those opposing the church. Angels are messengers. They're never to be worshipped or focused upon. They are God's messengers and they sometimes appear in dreams. And there were 60 kilometres between Caesarea in the north and Joppa much further south. There was quite a big distance between these two port cities. Now the extraordinary thing is that while a miracle was taking place in Caesarea, another one was taking place in Joppa and that's what we read about in the next section. Acts 10 um, verses 9 to 23. About noon the following day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord. Peter replied, I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. And immediately the sheep was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate, they called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. And Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. 
what an extraordinary situation we find here. So Peter's gone up on the roof to, to pray. The roofs of houses <clears throat> in the ancient world, generally speaking, in the Mediterranean, were flat. And so in the hot climate, the roof acted as an extra room and a place you could rest, a place you could meet people, a place you could uh, eat. All sorts of uh, possibilities existed in the daytime. And so Peter goes up on the roof to pray. It's a natural place to go to pray. You get away from the household and you can reflect. But he has a vision, not a dream or a hallucination or anything man-made, but something that God gave him miraculously. God sometimes speaks through visions, very vivid images uh, or even dramas that, that play out in front of our eyes and they're almost as, uh, uh, as if they're real. That's what a vision is, and that often happens in the biblical times. But this vision involved animals uh, <coughs> that, uh, and reptiles and birds that were known to Jews from their Jewish law to be forbidden for them to eat. They were considered ritually or ceremonially unclean. This is described in the book of Leviticus, chapter 11. Now, F Peter was familiar with this background. So the Jews were forbidden to eat certain animals and creatures in their law. So they had very strict rules about what they could and they couldn't eat. And in this vision, the very things he wasn't allowed to eat, he was being asked to eat. It was to do with understanding what was unclean and what was clean. And so the message came to him from this vivid image, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. There was a deeper message. It wasn't really a message about animals and what you can eat. It was a message about the fact that something was changing in the way that God was dealing with humanity. The old Jewish law was passing away, it was no longer relevant. It separated the Jews from other people, but now that separation was going to be overcoming Christ. Now, Peter knew this in his head, but as yet, he hadn't really thought about the implications of relating to the non-Jewish people, relating to the Gentile people, because the Jewish people generally didn't have much social connection with the non-Jewish people in their country, and especially with the Romans, the occupiers. They didn't have meals together because they had restrictions on their diet. And they didn't like some of the things that the Gentiles would eat, and they weren't allowed to eat many of them. And so there was a social separation that was in Peter's mind and in his heart. He knew that Christ loved the Gentiles, but he hadn't made any effort up to that point to reach out to them and build a relationship with them in order that they could become believers. But he knew from these events that something remarkable was happening. He'd had an amazing vision. And then suddenly, when God says, you know, don't call anything impure uh, that I've called clean, then some Gentile people come to the door and, and they come in and they have social interaction. They, they, they have food together, the very thing that Jews generally didn't do. And, and Peter just knew that God was doing something uh, miraculous then. And so he decides that he must follow up. Verses 23 to 33, the next day Peter started out with them and some of the believers from Joppa went along. 
The following day he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence, but Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask, why did you send for me? Cornelius answered, three days ago I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now, we're all here together in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Well, Cornelius was so welcoming and open to Peter. He was ready. People were ready to hear him. And Peter realized that something amazing was happened. Everything was set up for a remarkable occasion. The one thing that needed to happen was that Peter must explain to Cornelius and the others the gospel about Jesus Christ. They hadn't heard the details of the gospel message. They just knew there was a living God and that that living God was calling them. And there are often people like that in the world. They feel God is calling them, but they don't know about Jesus. They don't know the way to salvation. And Peter realized that. So he immediately began to speak. We read verses 34 to 38. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit in power, and how he went around doing good and healing all, all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So Peter goes straight in and he explains the story of Jesus and he, t he retells the story of Jesus' ministry. The three years that Jesus had, had ministered uh, and preached all the way around the country. And he makes it's clear that he expects that they've heard something about Jesus. So it's clear that Cornelius and his friends have heard something about Jesus because everybody in the whole country remembered the extraordinary things that had happened, the many miracles, the mysterious death, the mysterious resurrection, all sorts of rumours were going round. And we also know that there's a, a <coughs> Christian community here in 
Caesarea because we know that Philip the evangelist ended up there. They might have had some contact with Cornelius. Anyway, they, this general information wasn't enough. And, and Peter explained from eyewitness testimony the extraordinary things that Jesus did, the extraordinary miracles and how God's Holy Spirit was upon him. So he was telling the story and explaining about the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. And he continues preaching. The household is gathered. It's quite a big house probably because Cornelius was a, a reasonably well-paid officer. There could have been 30 people listening and his household would have con consisted of family members, servants, attendants, slaves maybe, all sorts of people, maybe some relatives. We don't know exactly who was there, but they're listening very closely. And then something extraordinary happens in the next few moments as described in verses 44 to 48. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Well, Peter hadn't finished his talk when God began to move upon the gathered group in Cornelius's house. The Holy Spirit was poured out. In other words, they were beginning to believe even as Peter was speaking, faith was coming to them and God confirmed their faith by sending them the dynamic and tangible power of the Holy Spirit. And they began to praise God spontaneously. Joy began to come. They probably began to sing and some of them began to speak in tongues, that precious and mysterious gift of being able to speak in a language that you haven't learned, that is a language of praise and worship to God, the gift that was um, first received on the day of Pentecost by all those Jews who gathered in Jerusalem. That very same gift is being given now to a group of Gentiles. This is an equivalent event. The day of Pentecost over here, the Jewish Pentecost, and now a Gentile Pentecost with a smaller number of people, but equal power and impact. And so Peter is amazed and in a strange sort of way he doesn't really have to complete all the details of his message because God has gone ahead of him. These people have been prepared. Cornelius has been influencing them and encouraging them to seek the Jewish God. And now they know much more about what God is doing. They now encounter the reality of the person of Jesus himself. Died raised again from the dead, who can forgive their sins. And so, 
just like on the day of Pentecost when Peter uh, uh, called people to be baptised in water and 3,000 were baptised on that day. So here he calls on his friends, his fellow believers who travelled with him from Joppa, Jewish believers, to baptise these Gentiles. And we have the first moment where Gentiles are reached with a strategic act of evangelism and a divine intervention to open the door. This is an amazing moment in the church. This is going to open the door for all sorts of people to hear the gospel who previously were out of reach and the apostles hadn't found a way of reaching them. It had already happened to the Samaritans. Now it's going to happen to the Romans and the Greeks and many other people after them. What an amazing moment. And so our reflections as we just come to the end of this episode are first of all just to notice this step forward in the story of Acts. Now a whole new door is opening, the door to the Gentiles, and very soon we'll see how that develops very fast when a church is established in the city of Antioch, and that's coming up very soon. It makes clear that the law of Moses has become redundant. It's out of date. It's obsolete. It's not needed. And when these Gentile people come in to believe in Jesus Christ, they don't have to become Jews first. They don't have to be circumcised. They don't have to follow the food laws and regulations. They don't have to obey the Jewish Sabbath law. They don't have to go into the Old Testament and, and follow all those laws. They were for the Jews in the past, but now the new covenant has come. Now the gospel has come and the Holy Spirit is the sign. The presence of the Holy Spirit is the sign that they have been included. Now here uh, we see a very interesting example of the four aspects of the conversion process, the process of coming to Christ that I've mentioned on a number of occasions in the past, starting uh, at the day of Pentecost. There are four things that are necessary as part of the salvation process in its fullness. The first is repentance, turning away from our old life, turning away from independence from God, turning away from following after other gods, in the case here, the, the Roman uh, system of worship of many gods. There needs to be a humbling, an openness, an ending of independence, what we might call repentance, the changing of our mind. And the second aspect is living faith. We only become Christians when we specifically put our trust in Jesus Christ as our saviour. It's an act of faith, it's a decision, it's a moment of trust that he died for us, that he, was, he rose again for us, that he will forgive us our sins. Repentance and faith. Thirdly, baptism in water. Here, baptism in water followed immediately after conversion. And fourthly, the receiving of the Holy Spirit and the, the dynamic presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need all these four things together. Now, this particular episode has 
raised an interesting question for the church. Who was in that household? And were there, for example, infants in that household? Well, it doesn't say there were any infants there. We don't know whether they were or not. We don't know whether they were baptized or not. And the church has taken different views about whether infants should be baptized if they're part of a Christian family. And so as we are speaking through the book of Acts, I take a position of respecting different views on this doctrine of baptism. And some may think that infants in Christian families should be baptized. Others take the view that baptism should be given only to those who personally profess faith. But whichever way, baptism is an important part of this process. My concluding observation and reflection is that this is an amazing story about evangelism. What it tells us is that we need to be available. Peter was available to do something unusual. He went to a place he never intended to go and spoke to a group of people he never intended to speak to. But the door opened up. So evangelism depends on our availability being on the front foot. And that's the one lesson that I take particularly to heart over this. And I think we can all do that concerning our own personal witness for Jesus Christ. And in this episode, in conclusion, a great step forward has been taken for the gospel. And we'll see how that works out in subsequent episodes in series three. And I hope we'll see you for those episodes. You have been listening to Martin Charlesworth for Word Online. To find out more, visit wordonline.org.